0: Now, internal tool building is easy, but the adoption is really, really hard. And one of the mistakes I see that companies generally make is that they try to build the tool first and then kind of evangelize and try to get it adopted inside the company. And unfortunately, that's just not how software adoption works. If you look at even how software is built, we kind of build the software along with our users, keep evolving it, iterating it until we get a really big user base. And it's the same for internal tooling as well.
1: Welcome to another installment of Jamstack Radio. On the line, we've got Nikhil Nandagopal. Hi, Ryan. How are you doing? I, I'm doing fantastic, to be honest. Like, I, I've got a full cup of tea down, and um, hopefully, I'll get caffeinated in a couple hours. I've, I've been doing this thing of like waiting to drink coffee until later in the morning. And you're actually calling from Bangalore. So, like, you probably had coffee. If you drink coffee, you probably had a, quite a few cups at this point because it's your evening at this point, which shout out to you, uh, Remote Life. <laughs> we actually drink more tea over here. <laughs> But yeah, I've had a couple of cups of tea yeah. I mean, culturally, that that kind of makes sense, too as well. But we didn't hear, we're not here to talk about caffeinated drinks and stuff like that. We're here to talk about your project, which is Appsmith. So why don't you start us off with like a, a brief introduction of what you do uh, with Appsmith and
0: sort of how you got here? Awesome. Uh, thanks so much, Brian. Uh, it's really great to be here. So, uh, you know, hey, I'm Nikhil. I'm uh, you know the founder and chief product officer at Appsmith. And AppSmith is an open source project that makes it really easy for developers to build internal tools. Now, you know I myself have been an engineer at uh, e-commerce giants and food delivery startups, and I've seen these internal tools evolve and eventually break down at scale. And that's where I really thought that, hey, there is a real need to make the experience of building these internal tools much, much easier for developers. Uh, and that's kind of why I'm here to you know, just share my experiences with you all. I'm really excited to be here, Ryan.
1: Awesome. Yeah. And I, I've definitely been a place where I was in a 10 person startup and I've been in a 3000 person company. So, like, I've seen the, the gambit of like <laughs> on both ends, uh, but also I've, I've also built internal tools to scratch my own team's itch or also just to support multiple members like across organizations. So, I feel this pain all the time. And like, I still at my day job at GitHub, I still use internal tools that were built by some engineer. At the company, so like this is a very valuable space to to be in because I think what happens is you know it's funny because uh, I bring up this story all the time and uh, maybe this resonates with you and your customer base. But at my first startup in, in San Francisco, uh, we had to solve a problem I think around in payments and no one really had the answer and we we needed to like maintain internal dashboards on how things were coming through and how we can get insights and like Stripe had been around but we weren't using Stripe. And uh, so, my engineering manager, uh, which was the CTO at the time, asked everybody on the team, like, who do we know in San Francisco that it's solved this problem already, and can we get them like on a call to like chat through this? And it's something that I don't think uh, a lot of people think about a lot, where you could just actually learn from solved situations and problems. And I imagine with Appsmith, like you probably have some like out of the box solutions or like your your sort of like first step to building an internal tool. So I'm curious. What are examples of internal tools that Appsmith might might create?
0: Yeah, you yeah, that, that's a great point, and I think there are a lot of out of the box examples. Um, one of the most famous would probably be Django Admin because uh, you know you can get an out of the box admin panel really quickly. But the bigger problem that we are seeing today is that today data is fragmented because of all the different SaaS solutions out there. Like, let's take a typical use case of like customer success, right? Yeah, uh, you get support tickets on Zendesk, right? So that data is on Zendesk now your actual user information on who this user is uh, is inside your own database. It could be inside Mongo or Postgres. And your actual payment information is sitting on Stripe. right? Now, a customer support agent that, let's say, needs to tackle an issue related to an order needs to look at three different places right, to get this information and to potentially, let's say, even refund your order or cancel the delivery would need to actually go and interact with two different tools to do that. That's quite cumbersome, especially when you're a growing startup that's trying to scale your operations and do all this really, really quickly, right? So that's when internal tooling comes in, where you need a custom UI that talks to all these different data sources and can enable your operations team to perform these workflows so that they can just see what support ticket came in, click on your name, Brian, see, hey, Brian's been with us for the last couple of months. This is his order today and see that, hey, the order has not actually reached Brian, and he needs to cancel it, so then we can just cancel his order amount and go ahead and refund it back to the source, right? So doing all these complex workflows as well as looking to your internal data, it requires you to have these custom dashboards because all of your data is fragmented, as well as your processes are custom to every single organization. And that's why building internal tools is such a pain today. And that's why we you know, we think that Appsmith makes it much easier for developers.
1: Yeah, and I, I think as a developer, you know how to interact with your own code base, your own database like you're you're in the best position to do that sometimes these sort of off-the-shelf solutions can uh, like for example like Salesforce is like pick a very large solution that might not make sense for a young scrappy startup or a startup that doesn't have true customers but maybe more of like community so like it becomes interesting and in sort of how do you interact with that and like building, Custom solutions, especially as you're a growing startup, makes a lot of sense. Uh, so customer success makes a lot of sense too.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, We see the same repetitive use case, whether it's in customer success or marketing or uh, you know, whether it's in HR. You do end up needing this custom workflow or custom tool because all of your data is so unique. And it's really hard for a SaaS solution that comes out of the box to give you that unique insight or that new unique view into your data or create that unique workflow that you need uh, a simple example of this is that uh, inside one of the food delivery companies that I worked, whenever you refunded an order, you also had to deduct the loyalty points that the entire startup was kind of giving you for every purchase, right? That's a really unique use case because it's really custom to your business. Or because we were working with, let's say, um, healthy food, we also had to deduct uh, the number of calories that were credited to uh, you know your user profile, right? So because all of these use cases are really niche and unique to your business, all of these tools are also niche and unique. And like you said, as a developer, your first call to arms is, hey, let's uh, maybe put together a bootstrap project. Uh, let's maybe spin up React. Uh, let's add a theme on top of it and you know, try to build something custom. But the problem with that is that it takes a lot of you know energy to maintain that project, especially when it's not a core part of the business, right? Now, as a front-end engineer inside one of these companies, you probably... More want to spend your time on the consumer-facing aspects of the company and not as much on the internal tooling because the internal tooling doesn't really get much product bandwidth, not much design bandwidth, and it's largely you and a couple of business owners trying to figure out what kind of process would work for you at that point in time. So a lot of engineers don't even want to own these internal tools and uh, develop them and maintain them. And that's why it's so important to just make it easier. But at the other end of it, it's really, really important for the operations to scale, and really important for the business to grow. Uh, so, you know, there's this entire friction around internal tooling itself.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's excellent. It's a great space to be in as well. And because uh, obviously, every developer listening right now is probably has a, a tool they've thrown together and, and custom built, uh, or are basically working with that tech that that someone else built for them. Uh, so, gonna have like these common interfaces, which I imagine Appsmith. You're you're building these common interfaces for folks to sort of work with to to build tools. Um, so, can you explain like if I'm I'm a developer, I'm going to reach for Aspen. like what am I what am I reaching for? Like, what is the sort of what are the benefits of leveraging your your tools
0: have? Right. So, I think the first part of the problem is just talking to your data, right? Because your data is so fragmented. It's really difficult to have an API that talks to all these different databases and different data sources, right? So AppSmith kind of gives you the building blocks so that you can quickly integrate their data. But the next part of the problem is dealing with HTML CSS. Now, I don't know about you, Brian, but most developers I know really dislike HTML CSS because it's, it can be quite boring and repetitive, right? And You know, that kind of makes for a really poor uh, coding experience because a lot of the time you're just fighting with these different frameworks than focusing on the core business logic of the tool, right? So what Appsmith does is it gives you these building blocks out of the box, such as UI widgets around tables, charts, lists, forms, because that's really the bedrock of most internal tools, right? Internal tools are largely just these three or four widgets laid out really well. It then allows you to quickly configure these widgets using drag-and-drop. So we have a visual interface where you can easily position them, align them, change their properties without needing to understand a complex syntax around HTML or what kind of CSS properties do I need to apply to make this look good. And then the real beauty of it is it also allows you to write JavaScript to wire up all of the data from your backend right to the UI that you recently created and deploy it all in a single click right so appsmith kind of abstracts away all the boilerplate from your development process and leaves you with all the fun parts which is configuring your widgets writing the business logic adding validation uh, you know to all of your applications and things like that so that's that's kind of why appsmith makes it so much faster to build these internal
1: tools Excellent. and uh, the reason i brought you on here is to talk about appsmith but also i wanted to actually have a broader conversation of how to get Employee buy-in for evangelizing internal tooling, Uh, because it's something that definitely the company I work for, companies I've worked for before, like it definitely you get to the point where it's providing enough value that you don't need to pay attention to it, Um, or maybe there's been a workaround. So, like, how would an engineer get buy-in, or how would an engineering leader get buy-in for
0: internal tools? That's a great question, uh, Brian. And one of the things I always say is that you know internal tool building is easy the adoption is really really hard you know and one of the mistakes I see that companies generally make is that they try to build the tool first and then kind of evangelize and try to get it adopted inside the company and unfortunately that's just not how software adoption works if you if you look at even how software is built we kind of build the software along with our users we keep evolving it and iterating it until we get you know a really big user base and it's the same for internal tooling as well the most important thing in the early stages of internal tooling is to just Figure out the key stakeholders who are really facing the problem with the process and to identify, you know, what is the real problem they're facing with the current process and how can you improve it? Almost every internal process actually starts on some sort of spreadsheet, whether it's a Google sheet or an Excel sheet, simply because that's kind of the MVP of a process, right? You just have your data inside a spreadsheet and every day you're either having some kind of analysis on it or you're taking some kind of updates and creating some kind of reports or updating some values based on what happened today, right? Now, identifying those gaps in the sheets and creating tools on top of it, that's where you'll be able to create buy-in from your early stakeholders. Like a good example uh, at AppSmith was that uh, we were trying to kind of build a customer support dashboard and uh, I kind of built a first version of it, but honestly, like nobody ended up using it, right? And that's when I went to the actual customer support person And I said, hey, you know, like, what are you doing uh, for support today? What are the problems you have? And I identified that one of the core problems they were facing was that all of the support requests were coming on different channels, right? So we have a community on Discord. We have people raising GitHub issues. We have people writing to us on email. We have people talking to us on intercom. So, you know, all of this data is so fragmented that they just wanted a simple dashboard to be able to see all of these support requests. So it just started with a simple problem like that and starting with a simple dashboard that got some of the support agents to actually buy in and say, Hey, you know what, let's start using this. This is so much easier. The next step to that problem ended up becoming that once they had this information, they immediately started saying that, Hey, I wish I could see how many people have asked for this feature before, or I wish I could see how many people have reported this issue before. Right. And then they themselves began to own that tool and iterate on it and improve it. And we saw that soon the product team also started getting involved in the process. So kind of beginning to create that virtuous cycle of feedback and features is really, really important. And that only happens when you can identify who are the first users who are going to be your key evangelists. And they're going to evangelize this product only because you've solved a core problem for them, right? And that's how we always think about any internal tool today at AppSmith. Just figuring out what's that simple internal process that we can solve for somebody, build a tool around it, And then see how we can scale that tool and process to more number of people inside the organization. And to me, like I think that's the best way to kind of gain internal tool adoption.
1: Yeah. That that is excellent. I I loved your response too as well, because that just identifying things like a spreadsheet, (laughs) the 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 first internal tool that, that people start with. I I've got tons of spreadsheets and I get tons of spreadsheets shared with me and like tons of Google Docs with just random inputs of data that people are collecting. And you don't know. Like it's basically it's an opportunity for scale. Like you don't know you need to scale this until it gets to the point where like now you're shipping a spreadsheet every week or every month, and people are dependent on the spreadsheet. But the only person who can manually input the spreadsheet is like one lonely maybe marketer or product manager or even developer. So that's a, that's some really good insight, and I hope folks will take a lot from that as well. Thank you, very much. I'm curious. So, so I looked on the, the website
0: and saw that their Appsmith is open source. Is that correct? Yeah, absolutely. Appsmith is open source. We built it uh, right from scratch, uh, you know, thinking that this has to be a platform that developers can quickly adopt. And one of the reasons we did that is, you know, me as a developer, I didn't really have you know a credit card that I could use to really buy software inside an organization, but at the same time, I could always quickly adopt any open source software into my tech stack. Right. And that got us thinking that, you know, why isn't there something that enables developers to build their applications faster and makes it really easy for them to adopt? All the solutions that we had seen out there were really top down. They were largely sold to managers and CXOs that could kind of afford to pay for them. But because of that, they weren't really developer-friendly. You know, they were really business user or manager-friendly, but they weren't really easy for developers to really get in. The coding experience was quite, quite poor in them. And because of that, we kind of decided to build AppSmith as an all-in-one solution for developers to adopt and be able to deploy on their local machine to be able to easily audit. And more importantly, to be also easily extend because a platform like this has to be extremely Extensible. It's almost like a framework, you know, because you don't want to get locked into one particular platform that can eventually maybe have some limitation in it. Instead, with AppSmith, it's really easy to just fork the repo, um, see that, hey, there's something missing. Maybe there's a widget that you need. You can then go ahead and contribute back to it, right? So that's kind of why we went open source, a large part of it. But the other angle of it is also that we really believe that software is really a team sport, you know, developing software. As much as we really like to hack things uh, on our own, really great software only comes from teams. And over here, we kind of built AppSmith around the entire community. And that's what we really love about the open source angle is that we have such a great community of developers that are not only contributors in terms of code, but also in terms of product feedback, ideas, you know, entire decisions around the product. And that really helps us kind of improve. Yeah. Um, and, you know, being open source... Uh, and collaborative. That's why we also kind of incorporated a little bit of that inside the product. So today, you can even sync your Appsmith applications to any Git repo, so that you can still perform like code reviews and you know version control and uh, go through your entire STLC the exact same way. So that that's also like another really cool thing that uh, we've kind of done with the product.
1: Oh yeah, I, I 100% agree with the the open source notion in the community because like if you have a common model ac- across community and, and Companies and developers, uh, it makes it easier for for getting started. Um, so I'm curious, like um, you had mentioned Django in the past, like is this written in a specific language or a framework? Like, what are folks when they sort of open up the, the repo, what do they expect to see?
0: Yeah, so AppSmith, uh, you know, it's it's a part. So basically, the backend is written in Java, while the front end is written in React, and we use MongoDB and Redis uh, as our data stores. So we have a back end we have a front end but uh, the best part is that developers can really easily get started because it's all packaged under one docker container so you can literally just take a you know a, a docker image just say docker up and you can get up up and running in less than like a minute
1: okay yeah that's that's beautiful too as well cuz uh yeah uh, wrapping this in docker image, it's it's less less concerning about like what language or framework that this is being leveraged like you just have now sort of connectors at this point yeah uh, that you can interact with so so I imagine I can leverage the image uh, and then if I happen to be writing in a different language, uh, I can just leverage those connectors to get the job done yeah, absolutely excellent yeah so i I'm curious more about this this community uh in like uh, around appsmith so like what is the makeup of the community are these um large companies, small startups like who are the folks that are reaching for um, for asthmus today?
0: Uh, we actually have a very varied breakup, uh, Brian. Uh, it initially started out with a lot of uh, indie hackers and uh, small startups, but today we have everything from you know, thousand plus member companies to a huge uh, you know, set of indie hackers as well. And we're also seeing a lot of agencies actually begin to adopt AppSmith because uh, consulting agencies have also seen that their development times can actually reduce. Their turnaround times are much much faster, and their software is a lot more stable with Appsmith. So, uh, we're also seeing a lot of uh, push and adoption from consulting agencies. And in terms of developer breakup I'd say uh, you know our primary uh, developer persona would be like a back-end engineer because back-end engineers really dislike working uh, on uh, the UI bit and that's what Appsmith really does well for you uh, but at the same time we are also seeing a lot of front-end and full-stack developers begin to adopt it because we've realized that even front-end and full-stack engineers see that they want to dedicate a lot of their time towards the consumer facing applications they want to dedicate less amount of time towards the internal applications that they see as operational overheads today.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's true. Like if you're working in a, a smaller company and you're just sort of trying to raise your next round or like acquire your next customer, the focus on internal tooling, like the the, the polish is not needed simply. Like you're if you're looking to impress your, your employees. You're impressing the wrong customer. Like you want to impress external-facing folks who are going to pay you money. Uh, so I write there. I agree with you. Like most of my internal tools or most of my stuff I built for myself tend to not look as pretty, even though I could I could make it decent looking.
0: And you know, unfortunately, that's uh, actually part of the problem today, which is that because these tools don't really get any UX bandwidth or uh, any kind of product bandwidth, these tools look you know and uh, act really atrocious. And what happens at scale, and I'll tell you this really interesting story at the food delivery startup, was that we started out creating like an offer configuration tool that uh, would allow you to configure marketing offers for different user segments. And initially it began as a simple Python script that the developers would run and create these offers, right? But over time, we had to create an interface so that the marketing team could also begin doing this because it was taking too much of the developer's bandwidth. Now, what unfortunately happened was that over large periods of time and many iterations on the tool, as the business grew, as the process changed, the tool had to adapt along with that, right? And unfortunately, because there was no one paying attention to the UI and UX of the tool, the tool became so complicated that we were seeing a high number of incorrect offers being configured. This means that incorrect users were getting offers that they shouldn't have been getting, and lots of users who should have been getting offers were not getting offers. And that means a huge potential revenue impact to the company, right? Now, that's a massive problem for internal tools and UX, and it's something that people don't recognize as a problem, unfortunately, until it becomes really, really severe. And that's kind of one of our focuses at AppSmith, to just make it really easy for any layman to make a really, really good UI and UX for your application out of the box, without understanding HTML, CSS, without being a great designer at heart. You know, you should just quickly be able to get your application up and running, but it should also Service the needs of your end user so that they don't feel punished using the tool because a lot of these users are using these tools for like you know eight ten hours a day and they can't be using a tool that's really clunky has poor performance has a very bad UX that just doesn't help them you know achieve their end goal very well
1: yeah very true I mean this is exciting and uh, I-, I love learning about these tools because like these are is opportunity to improve developer happiness experience uh, but also like Shorten the developer life cycle. So, like, if I don't have to pull off an entire engineering team or an engineer to go work on some tool that maybe a lot of the the team's going to work on, but like, not a lot of people put a lot of headspace into like figuring out, you know, UI, UX uh, interactions, like, that's going to provide more bandwidth productivity to ship features that that are really sort of moving the the numbers. Um, So, yeah, appreciate you. Coming on and sharing about Appsmith, I hope that folks who are interested in, in checking out definitely do. Uh, I'd be curious: uh, like, is there a place that folks can like check it out today? If there are, are there any demos or example repos?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, You know, AppSmith is open source, so we live on GitHub. You should just absolutely check out AppSmith on GitHub. We have a great project that, uh, you know, continues to grow with a loving community. Uh, The project comes with uh, great documentation, a simple contributor guide, lots of examples and templates on, uh, you know, how you can get started quickly and how the type of applications you can use with AppSmith. So I'd ask everyone to just check out our repo, start it, and, uh, you know, uh, begin building your applications.
1: Cool. Yeah. And David asked too, as well, like monetization. Like, are you providing a, a hosted version? Like, how is AppSmith uh, making money through this open source repo?
0: Yeah. So, we actually do have a cloud hosted version, but that's also free. What we are launching now is a commercial edition that uh, is more valuable to slightly larger companies. So, our entire goal with AppSmith has always been to build something that was going to work really well for individual developers and smaller teams. That's going to help you build your internal tooling, maintain your internal tools integrated with your STLC. And also have a premium enterprise version for larger teams that need additional features such as SSO, audit logging, uh, role-based access controls, things around theming and branding. So those type of features are what we kind of monetized on. And that's, that's what we're actually working on uh, this year. And we're, we've, in fact, already begun working with a couple of early users on our enterprise edition. Okay,
1: excellent. Well, yeah, that's uh, exciting and looking forward to hearing about that launch. I'll definitely be watching uh, from the sidelines. And uh, like if folks are looking to me for recommendations, I'll definitely be sharing AppSmith for sure. But I do want to transition us to picks, so appreciate the conversation with AppSmith and internal tools and getting buy-in from the rest of the team to build these tools. But I want to actually share these picks that uh, I've been working on. Working with for the past couple of weeks, uh, so jam picks. There are things that we jam with. Uh, it could be music, it could be food-related. Uh, technology picks are, are they are also popular. Which I've got two today. So my first pick that I want to mention is Posthog. Posthog is a, a service for metrics and analytics tr- tracking. Uh, so if you think of like mix panel or amplitude uh, I was specifically looking for a tool because I have an open source project, but I want to start. Doing some metrics and, and tracking for signups and conversions. And it's something I haven't really thought about for my project, but I get a lot of people to look at the project. I don't get a lot of people to sign up. Uh, and the project itself is open source. So, in case people are wondering if you want to see this uh, in action, so we're choosing Post Hog just to basically start tracking to see you've discovered open source, you went to the signup page you might have clicked a button. You might have rolled off. So, like, I didn't to know how many people are are not clicking the sign up button, uh, and then sort of I want to entice folks to to get unstuck or entice them to click sign up. So, uh, Posthog is it's it's also open source. It was also a YC back company as well in the last couple of years, I believe, and uh, they have a hosted version, but also the, the beauty of this is you can self-host it. So it's just you provide all the, your metrics into a Postgres database, and you can start getting insights, uh, which honestly, it is, as I say it out loud, I imagine you could probably connect this to AppSmith, uh, and this would be really good and insightful dashboard uh, to add to that.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, AppSmith uh, integrates with pretty much any uh, piece of software that has REST APIs. Excellent, yeah. I mean, maybe I'll maybe I'll become a uh,
1: an open source or a free user of AppSmith pretty soon, pretty shortly. Uh, definitely check it out. The other thing I want to mention is I've been doing a lot of cleanup on the open source project. Um I've been working on this for a very uh, long time, like past six years. Probably when I first mentioned it on the podcast, and I've brought on a new consistent maintainer. Uh, and he he actually remarked to me and had shared uh, publicly on Twitter that he's really appreciated creating new features inside of open source. And it's mainly comes down to my approach to design first components and. I at the time of creating open source, I was learning about design systems. Actually, we had a design system podcast, like early, early open source episodes, like in the first like ten to fifteen. And what I'm getting at is, I learned how to use design systems, how to build them, and I did that at my last job. And I also did this in open source. So now, anybody who contributes to the project, it's very clear how to make contribution and what sort of components exist. So very similar to like. Again, like this, I, I, I didn't actually mean for this to be so serendipitous to Appsmith. Uh, these two picks, but in the same same vein, like you want to have existing components, existing ideas that you can pick from, as opposed to building from scratch. So, again, everybody use Appsmith, and uh, <laughs> then you'll you'll have your a lot, a lot of the design and architecture and connectors uh, done
0: for you. Awesome. Uh, is this where I talk about my picks? Oh, yeah, please. Yeah. If you have any pics, yeah, please share. So, I think on the tech side, um, uh, this is kind of a odd pick. So, you know, one of the challenges I generally face is that when there's a bug, you know, reported in Sentry or a crash reported in Sentry, it's, it's generally really hard to reproduce that, right? And uh, a lot of times they kind of go unnoticed because you just don't have a way to figure out, you know, how does this actually occur. Uh, and one of the things we did initially was try to kind of integrate Sentry with Smartlook so that we could get the recordings of, hey, what did the user really do when you know they encountered this problem? But it didn't really work too well. It was quite hard to find the right recording and things like that. Uh, but there's this really new uh, software called Zippy. It's really cool. You can easily integrate it. And what it essentially does is it gives you the same error reports as Sentry, But at the same time, it also gives you the video recordings of that actual error. So along with you seeing that, hey, this is a network error or this is a console error or, uh, you know, whatever type of error it is, you can also go to what exactly the user did and uh, reproduce how they did it, uh, along with see what happened in the console while they were doing that. And I thought that was really great. That's super nifty to, you know, just bug bust a lot of things. Uh, So that's one of my uh, favorite recent, uh, you know, uh, tech discoveries. Awesome. Yeah, I'll have to check it out.
1: I've actually not uh I have heard of it in passing but never really like checked out the website or or the
0: project itself. Yeah, it's a pretty uh, new project on Product Hunt uh, and uh, you know, I, I know the founders and I think it's uh, it's really really uh, nifty the thing that they've done and uh, yeah, we are also trying to use it at AppSmith.
1: Okay, excellent. Yeah, it's probably Product Hunt. So like Product Hunt is something that I've been really frequenting way more as of recent cuz like somebody's like productivity tooling like it, it, it's it's a room full of indie hackers mostly. Like there are some like startups and, and larger companies that produce product hunt um, posts and stuff like that. But I, I love just sort of thumbing through and finding out what is the product hunt of the day or the product of the day on product hunt. And uh, yeah, so I must have seen on on there as well. But
0: did you have any other picks? Yeah. Uh, so the other pick is actually a non tech pick. I'm a, I'm a recently turned vegetarian. And, uh, it's, you know, as you can imagine, after having living most of my life eating meat, uh, it's uh, been quite hard to uh, kind of convert. But I recently discovered Beyond Meat in India. I know it's been there in the U.S. for a while, but Beyond Meat uh, uh, is now kind of available in India. And uh, it kind of blew me away, the product. Uh, I mean, right down from not only the taste, but what really surprised me was, uh, you know, even the smell and the texture kind of reminded me of meat. And I was really surprised by you know how far we've come in the food technology space, and I was really really impressed by that. So I think Beyond Meat is a fantastic product, and because of it, I'm I'm now flipping burgers on the weekend, <laughs> and I'm really really better off for it. <laughs> All right, well, congrats on the uh, the transition
1: to vegetarian as well. Um, it, it's something that I, I try out every now and then throughout the year, and uh, I always end up crawling back to uh, eating barbecue, which is uh, my passion at the moment. So... Thanks for the uh, thanks for the tips, Nikhil, and uh, thanks you so much for talking to Appsmith and uh, sharing examples. and I hope folks will reach out and with all the questions and uh, like join the open source community. Thank you so much for having me, Brian. It was great speaking to you. Yeah, and listeners, keep spreading the jam. That's all the time we have for today. If you're interested in being a guest on the show or if you'd like to suggest a topic, find us on Twitter at Jamstack Radio.